0: I'm Jade Driver, and I'm Cassie Petrie, and we are the co-founders of CrowdSurf,
1: a marketing, publicity, and artist management firm based in LA, New York, and Nashville
0: that we started together in our college dorm rooms because we wanted to work with our favorite music artists.
1: And now we do, and we want to teach you how you can do it too. This is How I Got Backstage. Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of the How I Got Backstage podcast podcast. Seriously, thank you guys so much for all of your constant support. I love when we open up our Instagram and see you guys have posted about the podcast. I love all the DMs. I love all the questions. So we want to get to more of you guys' questions on the podcast. So this week, our question comes from Marie. She is on Instagram, Instagram, like Eben, because she loves Eben, Instagram, oh. at <laughs> Just Eben things, And she asks, what is the least favorite part of your job, but what makes it worth it anyways. Ooh, yeah, I mean, that's, I
0: that's think, quite a question. I think we may end up having very similar things we don't Okay, like. I don't really have something in mind, so I'm, I'm very curious as to oh, what you're going to say. Finances. Yeah, I mean it's true. I mean like the, you know, everyone always says they want to be this big business owner and and that sort of thing, but there's a lot that comes with that. There's really cool things that come with it, but then there's things like sending invoices and asking people to pay them and then people not paying them or people paying them late. And you just don't really like think about that side of it when you decide you want to start your own business. But chasing money down is really lame. Yeah.
1: And I think the thing that I didn't realize when we started our business was that just because you do work that you're hired for an agreed amount of money doesn't mean it's going to show up. No. And it doesn't mean it's going it. to show up in the amount of time you need to pay a bill. Yes. so but you think- know what will show up? The eviction people from Wells
0: Fargo. Yes, they will show they showed up.
1: <laughs> a long time ago, but they showed up. And it was literally because I had a car and we were maybe four years into crowd surf. And we, you know, I bought a car that I could afford, but people just don't always pay you in a timely manner. And that's a very um, difficult thing to kind of deal with when you're a small business and you don't have, you know, we didn't have people funding us. We didn't have loans from banks. We pretty much said, we do this. This is how much it costs. We're going to do this thing for you. So yeah, that was definitely the hard part. But I'd say that now what makes it worth it is everything. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, you know,
0: make what makes it worth it is being able to have the the freedom, freedom's do,
1: a big part of it, yeah. Yeah,
0: the freedom to w- work with who we want to and to work on what we want to, not have, you know, somebody overseeing every move and and um, every decision that we make. I, I we really love being able to be decision makers and having that freedom. So that's that's literally the price of that.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's great because we actually get to say, especially now after doing this for over a decade, and we have made a little more money saying, you know, I don't believe in this, I don't want to work on it, or I'll do this for you at a cheaper rate that you can't afford because I really do believe in it. So having that freedom that if we worked for someone else we wouldn't have Definitely makes it worth it and the freedom to grow and do new things that we're interested in as we grow and expand our company.
0: Absolutely. So I think we're kind of on the same page with that answer. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Marie, for this week's question. If you guys want to send in a question, just comment on our Instagram or DM us and we'll check it out and hopefully get it in the next podcast. Okay. I'm actually really excited about our guest today because first of all, He's a guy, and it's been pretty girl boss around here for the last few weeks. It has been. This will be our first male uh, guest. Yes. And also, we've known this guy for like a decade, and I'm also a little worried because he knows way too much about us. <laughs> it's actually really true. Yeah. Especially you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. like already turning red. So um,
1: I'm going to get on with it. We're going to introduce Adam Davis. Hi.
2: Hi. Hi. Oh my god! Oh my god! I promise it's a man's voice.
1: <laughs> Adam, you're more of a man than other men that I've I've known.
2: You know what? I have learned more about being a man from you two.
1: Wow! Than I
2: have most other men.
1: That's amazing. I actually take that as a big compliment. You should.
2: Men suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to get on that route? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, there, to be fair, there are a lot of women that suck, too. Yeah, and
1: to be fair, there are men that are great. However, you know. Yes. You know. So, Adam, tell us who you are, what you do. Who are you?
2: I am the guy formerly known as Intern Adam on the radio, 1075 River, in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville? But I am- currently uh the digital producer for america's got talent and you can find that tuesday and wednesday nights now we're on live shows 8 7 central on nbc
1: Ooh, wow shameless plug Look at love you. it we're big fans yeah, of AGT, obviously. And shameless plugging. And shameless plugging. And mainly Adam. <laughs> um, so, but Adam, we always ask people first to answer the question, how you got backstage. So kind of start talking about, and I know that you work now in television, but there's, there's obviously a lot of music still integrated into that and entertainment all over. Um, and then also, as you said, you started in radio. So what kind of music kind of influenced you growing up and how did you start realizing you wanted to maybe start working on the business side of entertainment?
2: You know, um, it, it's so fun to be on the show called How I Got Backstage <laughs> because I've been really thinking a lot about this process and this evolution of this really dorky left-of-center kid that grew up on a farm in Battletown, Kentucky, population 305. Ooh. And I was thinking... You know, there there are people in your life, there are things in your life, and there are actions in life that lead you to where you are. And it all connects. It really does. But I always go back to the time I first heard Garth Brooks on the radio. And I heard Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old, which is a song, and uh, a lot of you might not know it because you're younger, but I, I really challenge you to just go and find this dude named Garth Brooks and listen to that song. And, and maybe it'll change your life, like it changed mine, but... How I got backstage is Garth Brooks.
1: That's amazing. I love I love that.
2: (laughs) Because he introduced me to a world that I wanted to be in. He introduced me to the sound of music that gives your whole body goosebumps. He introduced me to an industry, to... Uh, a way of marketing yourself uh, to be bigger than your brand, you know? Um, but he also introduced me to a dream of mine, and that was to actually be Garth Brooks. So
1: I mean, <laughs> the resemblance is uncanny. It's it's
2: really, I mean, trust me. I mean, trust you guys, me.
1: just check, check out our Instagram, how I got backstage. But, you know, uh, and when I say that,
2: he triggered off in me a dream to be on stage for the rest of my life. I always wanted to be a country music singer, I believe writer. I've
1: seen, like, very early headshots of <laughs> the you. Mer- there's merch, there. right?
2: There's merch. Yes. My boyfriend found a button in my mom's basement.
1: <laughs> I need a photo of this for this episode. Like <laughs> Maybe. I need it. Maybe. <laughs> but no, so, you know, how I got
2: backstage is I started... With Garth, and then I ended up on stage, and I was performing from the time I was six years old on stages in Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, down in Tennessee, and I had supportive parents who did whatever it took to, you know, drive me down to Nashville, that three-hour drive, and to just try things and do it. And I got so close so many times to being what I wanted to be, but then I actually realized that who I was was going to prevent me from being who I wanted to be. Ah. Because in 2002, I came out of the closet, you
1: know.
0: And and in country
1: music, yeah, we're still fighting that battle, kind of. Absolutely, I think we're
0: closer, but I think we're closer.
1: But I mean, you know, as you guys know, Cassie and I kind of started working in country music 15 years ago, and we've behind the scenes seen that issue manifest a few times in our career, and unfortunately, it kind of halted some people's. Careers and dreams, so.
2: absolutely, and talented people that deserve to be yeah. heard. Um, so you know, with that realization was a realization of okay, so what's next? How am I gonna? How am I gonna make a living? Where's the dream? And then I started working at CMT, Country Music Television Network, and working on a show called Most Wanted Live, which was like a TRL type show. Ooh, and it was again one of those places where I was just. You know, I was there at the right time, in the right yeah. moment, the right time. Uh, this lady fired her assistant who helped her, you know, seat the audience. And I was there because I stalked the show. I loved <laughs> I loved country music. Wait, I was, this was there filmed every day. In, where,
1: in particular in Nashville, was it a studio or was it like the Wild Horse? This
2: was filmed at, uh, well, it filmed at the Wild Horse for a little bit, but when I found myself stalking the most was when it was filmed at the Opry Mills Mall, at the okay. Gibson Guitar Showcase. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And so, I was there. She fired her assistant because her assistant tried to give Rascal Flats a cassette tape demo or something like that. Ooh.
1: <laughs> she knew the that I was always demos. there,
2: like, you know, waiting in the wings <laughs> to, like, do something. To fly and in. she was like, you're here a lot. Can you just help me? I'll pay you. And then I did at the end of that. She wow. gave me a job. This is why I was at Belmont University and trying to study. And college wasn't my thing, so I don't recommend this to anybody. But I did quit college to work full time. And then I ended up on the radio.
1: I mean, yes. I believe that's where we kind of first heard of you. Yes, we knew you was as an intern, Adam. We did. Yes. And, uh, I Which remember, I was
2: never an intern. Let me clarify I that. know.
1: I I realized that later <laughs> knowing you, and I was like, wow, it's a character. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, I remember, though, one day Cassie was just like, I just feel like we need to be friends with him. <laughs> And she Why? just decided that we were going to be friends with I, you. I it just became do this kind sometimes. Of a
2: sometimes I don't want to be friends with myself.
1: She was just like, I feel like we'd have like common things, like things in common and like kind of, you know, talk shit about the same people and <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know, the best bonding experiences you can have is from. Oh, yes. Right. Because at that, <laughs> at that
2: time... You know, celebrity pop culture was changing. There was a shift from where no one really cared about it as much, and then all of a sudden you had blogs like Prez Hilton out there yeah. calling everyone out. So there was this big pop culture moment in the early 2000s that, that made being a mean person, and I use this word very loosely, cool. Yeah. You know, made celebrities out of people who just were mean people. And then so you had that trickle down into like on-air radio programs that we were on. Yeah. So then it was sleaze. It was all kinds of moments. And, you know, 2006, 7, 8, nine, some of the biggest pop culture years of, yeah. of our
0: lives. And I think know? that's when like the internet kind of, I don't know, like internet headlines started exploding in general. Like people Googling and like celebrity mo- news cycles moving quickly was... It, it really all changed in that era.
2: It really did. You could start a new cycle with something, and then you could end a new cycle just as quickly by doing something else. Yeah. Or having one yeah. of your friends do something, or throwing another friend under the bus. But so I did radio for 11 years in Nashville. And, and
1: uh, I was definitely your MySpace friend. Oh. You had some super emo hair. <laughs> I, <laughs> I,
2: I was did. was
1: like, an angle like this. <laughs> <I> s- <laughs>
2: I kid you not, if you, <laughs> if you grabbed my iPhone and went through my Safari history, I was looking at my MySpace yesterday.
1: That's hilarious.
2: <laughs> because I Wait, still let's have it. Wait, let's all look it. at our
1: MySpaces and see what our last
0: top eight was before oh my we God. stopped changing them. Can you them. still
2: view a top eight? I don't eight. think yeah. you
0: can see it. No? No? It's like a comp- different format now.
2: I remember I had this friend who was in charge of Miley Cyrus' uh, MySpace page, and he put me in her top eight, and I was like the coolest.
1: I mean, I I think I, I know exactly have... who that guy is.
2: Yeah. <laughs> which is why he's not getting a name shout out
1: <laughs> driver it's still there oh no my top eight is here oh no really is it yeah
2: okay wait pull yours up cassie
1: how do you find
2: it <gasps> oh my I just god went to
1: my page
2: my top eight is there
0: do you just do like so myspace.com my like slash your name
1: my mom my dad since forever family force five fallout boy and my best friend jessica and that there's two that don't have photos. I don't know what they are. I guess they oh. deleted those pages. Oh, wow. Oh, Bryn. Our friend Bryn. Oh, I love Bryn Black. Bryn's the best. And CrowdSurf. So actually, my top eight hasn't changed, like, too much. Yeah. Why? How come I only have a top six? That's what mine did, and I clicked on it, and they came up. Where did you click? Like, the, the box. Click Help the box. a digital producer yeah, person. Yeah, click the box. Oh. Wow, there are some amazing photos on
0: here. A lot of them of Cassie. I only have three. I have the Quick Five, Big and Rich, and Josiah.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm really upset. I can't even see it.
0: It says Rocco Castellano.
1: Oh, that's
2: my friend Mikey. Oh. He thought he This was...
1: came up on mine. I don't know what's going on right now.
2: <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Whatever. Top eights. You guys are my top eight right now.
1: Oh thank you. You're welcome.
2: No, so radio then turned into uh, an unmotivated uh, decision to come out to Los Angeles after I left radio.
1: I think you and Cassie kind of came out to Los Angeles at the same time. Correct? Right. And yeah. then Cassie
2: was the reason I came out to Los Angeles because um, when I left radio, I was just kind of sitting around and she was like, hey, come out here and help me. Cause she actually has one of the biggest hearts that
1: she does. I oh, think no. oh, Cassie. is in the digital sphere Oh.
2: Yes. And so I did, and then I slept on her couch with like a lot of pizza boxes. Oh, that every night. couch was
0: disgusting. Oh, that apartment God. was that awful. apartment was horrible. It was horrible. And Ugh. there was this kid like the Tarzan. Tarzan. <laughs> ran, up, <laughs> ran above, and you could hear everything this kid did in that apartment. Yes, and, that's, so and that's and that's like the summer that Uber started really. And I wish it was ooh. more popular because I had to I had like a expensive rental car. Yeah. And I wish I could have just Ubered everywhere at th- that time because we didn't. Oh, have yeah. Car. That's I when to...
2: every Uber was an Uber black car and they got yeah. out, opened your door, shut it behind mm-hmm. you, and gave you a bottle of water.
1: Yes. And now you got to pay for that service.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> but I came out here and then Cassie and I um, worked at X Factor. She kind of introduced me to a whole television life that I didn't know
0: existed in the digital side. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was still very, you know, kind of new and developing. And I would say it was very, I would say digital was not like respected in TV as much as it is now. We were like, we had to work out of this tent. No, 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 no. We're going to bring this up
1: because this is the second no. time you have talked about the tent. She <laughs> said on an episode the other day, you know, I was in the back in this tent. She acts like it was a 10 by 10 pop-up. That <laughs> tent
0: was bougier than my apartment. But... We weren't allowed to sit in the nice chairs and the, like that we had we were they're like you can't sit that on the couch. That tent had catering. <laughs> <laughs> that tent had
1: giant TV screens and air conditioning. It had
0: catering but we couldn't eat it. Yeah, we weren't allowed to eat the catering. Okay,
1: but still, you got to clarify the tent was not just a pop-up tent. <laughs> it was it was a nice tent.
0: Sometimes I wish I had my tent with pop-up tent and I could allow <laughs> like who I wanted into it and who I didn't. I
1: just like that you were like, "Yeah, we had to change Fifth Harmony's name and I just sit in the tent." <laughs>
0: I was I'm still kind of bitter about some of the stipulations surrounding the tent.
1: I ate some shrimp in that tent one time.
0: But you know what? That was some
2: very formative years and yes. uh, of the digital side and what what it could do for television and how how um, and yes, exactly what you just said, it was not really respected at that time as yeah. much as it is today because digital Does increase television ratings, does increase tune ins. Nielsen Media Research is now, you know. Um, monitoring all of the metrics surrounding the big three platforms to give social television ratings, which are looked at by networks and production companies and late night talk shows. When they book talent, they want to know who's going to support, you know, because that's so important. And then, you know, within the next couple of years, I'm sure, and I'm positive that that social rating will be weighed into an on air rating. So it's so, that's very interesting. I'll I'll be excited when that happens. I think
0: that it's, I think it's, It makes sense, and uh, it was just kind of hard to, you know, fought to be heard on certain things at that time. So it's it's cool to see that it's evolved and that we think it will continue to evolve.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the industry is only going to evolve more. Do I think television is fully ever going to go away? I don't think so. No. No. I don't think television can be replaced because it is one of those outlets. It is a media that is so um, well put together, you yeah. know, a lot of times digital doesn't know how to be put together. That's yeah. one of our, um, double-edged swords. Yeah. It's so big that sometimes we can't put it together correctly. We don't know how yeah. to monetize it. We don't know necessarily, um, the proper pay rates for people in digital mm-hmm. when they're hired, you know, um, you, you pay for what you get.
0: Yes. Yeah. And also I think that, you know, we live in, a, in digital content is king or queen or whatever you want to say content is, and television is a great piece of content is what it comes down to. Yeah. and I, just and I think, think it's just
1: so easily digestible.
0: It it really
2: is, and the the greatest the greatest thing about working for America's Got Talent is that I have bosses on all sides and all production companies that truly believe investing in digital is absolutely key to sustain another season, yeah. to sustain, you know, hopefully another 13 seasons. This is a show that's still pulling in 13, 14, 17 million people watching it, you know, and on YouTube already, uh, one and a half billion video views for this season. Wow. So, you know, it's just one of those things where when you have people that believe in it and help you make it work, you can help the life of the product you're working on.
1: You truly can. And do you how have you seen kind of digital change? So how many seasons have you been working on AGT?
2: This is my season 8, 9, 10, 11,
1: 12,
2: 13, 6. Oh wow. Season.
1: So how do you how do you feel you've seen the digital influence change perhaps the results of the show over the past 6 years?
2: Oh gosh. Um who for results how digital has changed that. Um you know I don't know necessarily that I can say that digital has changed results because at the end of the day, it is all about the talent. Yeah. If you don't have the talent to be on America's Got Talent mm-hmm. or on a show that has voting for it yeah. that de- you know determines an outcome of who's the winner – then you're not gonna be voted on. You true. know, you can be a social influencer with an okay voice and come on the show and gain a few thousand more yeah. or whatnot. Um, but who says that your fans in Middle America or the Eastern Seaboard voters are gonna vote for you? you it's know? true. People I mean, tune to, in yeah. to see talent. They wanna see it's something true. they've never seen before.
1: We have that conversation a lot about songs and radio. You know, it's gotta be a great song. It can't just be that you have bazillions of followers and you don't have the art to back it up. So mm-hmm. totally understand that, uh, that situation. And just with it
0: product a in, in general is important. You can, you know, even if a product at a store, if it's not a good product, it's going to eventually not be able to be sold anymore. Like,
1: no,
2: I think that relates to so many things that, you know, um, so many people work so hard on a song and which is why I think a sophomore jinx kind of really is out there that separates true talent from, just kind of formulated talent yeah. on the radio yeah. with musicians is, you know, um, let's just take, you know, Songs About Jane by Maroon 5, that album. Mm-hmm. They had their entire life to work for that album and right. to write an album like that. And that was their real big first album yeah. in the mainstream. And it was spectacular. And then the follow-up album, that
1: wasn't as good,
2: you know, mm-hmm. because they felt like they needed to rush to get something out. Yeah to, to, to you play know,
1: the the business game of it you yeah know? to
2: strike while the irons hot or, yeah. or something like that you yeah. know but you know it didn't have that whole lifelong span of writing for that yeah. release do you know what I think is one of the most brilliant albums in terms of songwriting that I think has been released?
1: In this century, in this century, Um,
2: fearless Taylor Swift.
1: Um, uh, Yeah, you didn't give me time to have have a bad
0: answer first.
2: (laughs) Uh, Um, You were gonna say like Lou Vega or something like that. I I was gonna
0: say Aaron Carter, not another earthquake. Yeah, yeah. But fearless is great, and you know what else I love about the fearless record is the forward in the record is incredible. Like you know when we all actually bought records and had them physically. The message in the beginning of that record, like, is um is just incredible, what is written. You were it's, so into that
1: record. I still am. It's awesome. But I mean, like, when it came out, like, you were so into that record. It's awesome. I remember, we'd be on road trips. It's all we're going to listen to. Mm-hmm.
0: That's because it was good. <laughs> and I
1: think because, like, I'm five years older than you at the time, it was a little young for me. Yeah. And that's all she wanted to listen to. Right. Like, over and over and over and over. I remember we were going to Atlanta, and you're like, no, we're not going to listen to the band. We're driving four hours to see. We're only listening to Fearless. But I think that you feel the same way about Fallout Out Thanks for the Memories. Oh, I 100%. 100% agree.
2: You know what I would like to see your listeners do Hmm. is to go and just comment on, like, your latest Instagram Uh post or something like that, like, what album they think is one of the best written albums.
0: Yeah. Would love to read those. Because
2: yeah. I, I love learning about new music, and I think yeah. that this audience is going to introduce me to some new stuff. And it's stuff. always
1: great when, even if it's an album that's a few years old or 50 years old, but to find albums that really respect the art of track listing. And the art of putting an album together. Not just putting songs onto a disc or onto iTunes, but putting an album together. Throw it back to
2: Garth Brooks because. Throw it back to <laughs> Garth Brooks always. He said this in 1996 on stage at, uh, in Dallas, in Dallas, Texas. He was filming his first ever television special. And it's, you know, right before he starts, uh, I think it's during the Vamp of Friends in Little Places. And he goes, you know, Sometimes you go into this little bitty room and you record a song and you record an album and, and you piece it together because every song is like your baby. And then you take it back and they put it on this they put it on this little bitty disc, man. And he says it kind of like that. And he's yeah. like, and then you, you, you turn it over and then you release it. And then the world hears it. And then you go back and you're driving around your truck in Oklahoma one day and you think, you know what? I could have written a third verse to that one. Yeah. And then he plays the third verse, you know. But he always makes albums he always goes into it with every song could mm-hmm. be a single yeah and in this world of singles we're living in yeah. today people really don't approach albums that way anymore
1: no and i think that's why you reference taylor swift because she obviously does that and that's one of the biggest reasons why i love fallout boy so much like their albums are a story like they are chapter by chapter it is an complete a complete piece of work You know, every note, I remember when uh, Fully I Do came out, it was, this is when you would, like, premiere an album on MySpace. And it was coming out that week. I Like, that was all I cared about. I was flying to New York to go to some show or whatever. And I just, you know, randomly go to their MySpace page one morning, not knowing the album was coming up. I lost it. I mean, I'm just like, I was not mentally prepared for this. Like, I'm just sitting in my bed bawling because <laughs> it is, I don't know, like listening to an album is so important to me. Something I never do is if there's an album by a band that I love, like a Fallout Boy, and they put out grat tracks, I won't listen to them because I think that I want to hear everything first note to the last note in an album in the order it comes out. I mean, a single's mm-hmm. one thing because a single's going to come out. But, like, I don't want to hear your random grat track. I want to hear that as the sixth song on the album.
2: Do you guys miss getting up at, like, 11 p.m. and, you know, you have your sweatpants on and mm-hmm. then you run down to the local Walmart? Mm-hmm.
1: I it miss, was always the Walmart. It I was always, always miss getting Walmart. records at Walmart so much. I remember when Black and Blue came out. I went there at, what year was that? Should we reference that?
2: Who that is actually, That's though? That's the
1: Backstreet Boys. Okay. Oh, my gosh. We've been through like 20 minutes of this podcast and not said Backstreet Boys. That's a record. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> but um, that came out in 2001. And I remember going and they were like, yeah, we don't have it out yet. I'm like, oh, yeah, you do. I started going out down a box cutter. And I started going through boxes that <laughs> they hadn't unpacked yet. And I found that album and I bought it.
0: Good. Yes. Yes. I'm just letting you know. I'm very glad that that happened.
2: <laughs> Cassie's withholding information because she probably has an embarrassing story. Oh,
1: you want to hear my embarrassing story? So I was really, 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 really into Clay Aiken. And that is not embarrassing, by the way. <laughs> I One of the finest voices
2: ever to hit a reality television I show. I
1: completely agree. Thank you. Yes. Bridge thank over you, troubled you, water. Oh, my gosh. Solitaire. To- don't even get me started with Solitaire.
2: Uh, don't get me started.
1: Don't let the sun go down on me. Uh, Build no. me a buttercup. Mm. Mm, Clay Aiken. Christmas album? Don't even.
0: The first nowhere. I just love him so He's much. so good. Are you crying about Clay Aiken? <laughs> she is crying. Oh, no. She is
2: crying. Okay,
1: but now So, like, when Clay's <laughs> first album came out, the funny thing was, I was, like, 19 or something, and all his fans were, like, 40. And so there was, like, this group of women in Richmond, and they threw this, like, album par- like party at the local Sam Goody at midnight. And oh I was definitely the youngest person there. And they made, like, Clay Aiken transfers. You could, like, make your own T-shirt. And I guess he was, like, really into Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Krispy Kreme. So they had those. So, yeah, it was, like, me and all, like, my 40-year-old Clay Aiken fan friends hanging out at Sam Goody.
2: He was one of the people <laughs> that I always wanted to interview in radio that I never got to Do you interview. you know what?
1: I interviewed him. What? But do you know why?
2: Why? So I was
1: working at Radio Disney at the time, and I literally just went down to Raleigh for, like, you know, like, the end of the season where they send him home right right before the end, like, oh, let's see my hometown. So he was going to sing the anthem at the Durham baseball game. So I just drove down there, because it was, like, three hours. And I went, and there was, I just started, like, I just would always start talking to people, trying to, like, get to my artists, figure out what was going on. So There was, like, a local radio station on site and I was like hi you know I'm like 18 and he's like kind of annoyed at me and I'm like you know, like I work in radio, and he's like, oh, okay, whatever, kid, you know. And then I basically, like, somehow convinced him to let me interview Clay Aiken live on air for his station so he didn't have to do it. <laughs> so he, like, <laughs> I didn't work there. <laughs> I didn't even interview people on the air, but I told him I did. And, and so, that's how
2: Jade got backstage. That's how I got
1: backstage and met Clay Aiken. Oh, let my me tell you. my
2: God. I loved that
1: man. Oh, my gosh. I still do. <laughs>
2: Was he a good interview?
1: Yeah. it was. I mean, it was very brief. It was like, you know, like, it was like, because I didn't know how to interview someone. So I'm asking him things like, "Is are you having fun? Like, I don't know. It was probably the worst interview of all time. But, like, I got there and we went d- b- down behind, like, the ball pit. What do you call it? The dugout? <laughs>
2: it's a dugout. The dugout. The ball <laughs> it's a dugout.
1: It wasn't at McDonald's. The
2: homosexual <laughs> man. Yes, it's a man.
0: I met Clay Aiken in the dog. <laughs> in the ball, ball pit. <laughs> Duck out.
2: I'm sure a lot of people have met Clay Aiken in the ball pit.
1: <laughs> I love you, Clay. Okay, so I wanted to dig into, you know, I think the reason that Cassie had decided, and I completely agreed with her, that we wanted to be friends with you. Okay. Is because you always felt so unapologetically yourself. Like, it felt like whatever you were doing on the radio or when we would see you, like, in person at events, you were just you and you weren't being, you know, I mean, obviously you weren't an intern, but you weren't being, like, a completely fake, made-up character that wasn't who you really were, to, to to at least an extent that seemed believable. Um And I think that's something we love because for years, I think the thing that we were told a lot was, you guys can't be fans. You can't tell artists you're fans of them. You can't stand at their concert and sing their music. You can't be loud girls. You can't be opinionated girls. And we're all of those things. And so I think that when you see somebody that has become successful and is doing something that they seem very happy doing and seemingly being themselves while doing it, it's very inspiring. And I think that's probably the reason why, and I'm kind of speaking for you right now, but you like were literally like, we should be friends because I feel like we'd have a lot of things in common.
0: Yeah, and I think that was that was definitely a part of it. And I think just also, you know, kind of off topic and less inspirational, we just liked pop culture a lot. <laughs> and yeah, we felt like you, you know, that you You liked
1: it too. Yeah. You're partying with Nick Carter.
0: You know, we I wanted to, I wanted to be partying with
1: Nick Carter.
2: Well, thank you, thank you for saying that, Jade and Cassie. Um, you know, yeah, um, unapologetically myself back then for sure. Um, apologetically now, mm. because <laughs> you go back and it's 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 weird because today I was uh, reading an old coworker's latest blog post saying why I deleted my old tweets. Mm-hmm. You know. Um and he was like, I've evolved. I've said saying I've said things that are awful. I've said things that were weird or rude or, you know, not really who I am. Or I said it for comedic value, not realizing the hurt or the intent, mm-hmm. right? Um intern Adams' career was definitely unapologetically me. I mean, everything I said I I I did say, you yeah. know, everything I did, every, um, awful thing or dramatic situation I put my in where like Wiz Khalifa was almost about to kick my ass or, uh, leaking a Britney Spears song, mm-hmm. uh, anything like that. Like I did, I own it. Yeah. You know, looking back now, could I have done most of those things better and more classier and said things a little bit more classier? Absolutely. But you know what the greatest thing about humans are is we evolve and we learn from who we are and who I am right now is not going to be who I am five years from now and so forth and so forth. And I think that, you know, um, I, I look back then and sometimes I, I, most times I smile and they're, they're the best years of my life. Um, But then there are some times where I'm like, you know, I I should probably call that person and say, Hey, sorry, I said that about you. Sorry, I did that, you know.
1: But do you feel like just, like, in general, without getting too personal about things you may have done or said, that you pretty much stuck to yourself and built a career around it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. that's, that's, That's awesome. That's amazing. And I just want the listeners to understand that, like, you can be yourself. And that there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like you and somebody who doesn't agree with your views or the fact that you talk too loud or the fact that you talk too soft or how you dress or who you love or who you hang out with or what you say on Twitter. But it doesn't mean there isn't somebody that will love all of that.
2: Absolutely. And that's the greatest thing about unconditional love too. Mm -hmm. You can find that while being unapologetic about who you are. But um, it is sad that so many people, especially women and women of color and people of color are told that they're too loud or that mm-hmm. they shouldn't have these opinions or they shouldn't be strong or they shouldn't be firm or they shouldn't be, you know, um, making the decisions they're making or they need to like smile more, Yeah, you know, yeah. which I was recently just told in a meeting to smile. Oh, that more. makes wow. me cringe. That makes me not smile. You know, yeah. there's one way to not get what you want. And that's by telling me to like do something. To like, (laughs) I'm going to agree with that. Like, be nice this time. (laughs) Smile in this meeting. No, no, No. because uh, it's just also like someone saying, uh, you know, when they're describing you, like, oh, well, this this person's very passionate about Mm -hmm. what they do, and they're they're really invested, you know, Mm -hmm. they're thrilled and excited about something, Mm -hmm. and you know, that's just like uh, bless
1: your heart. It yes,
2: it's a southern thing, a bless (laughs) your heart, but there's an undertone of oh, that person's just.
1: A bitch. Or crazy.
2: Or crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And but I mean, I think it is amazing though that we've all had opportunities and we and we take those opportunities and we do choose to at times, at, at as many times as possible, maybe not be unapologetic, but be true to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that we've all I don't think any of us are sitting in any of our positions being fake more than not you know, or any amount of time really to please someone and to make them like you and to do X business with them. I think that at some points it may be stronger than others, but I think that all three of us in this room have definitely had many experiences in our career where we did something that some people might not have liked and might have thought didn't make us the best candidate for a position, but somebody did. Right. And I think, I think I just want to really portray that you're gonna, if you, I always say you do what you do, and you do it well, somebody's gonna find you that clicks with
2: you. If you do it with conviction, yeah, and you do it, and you might not have the most self confidence, but if you walk into that room and you say it with with true passion, yeah, and you say it with like true confidence, there's someone out there who is definitely gonna take take what you can do and, and elevate that with you.
1: Hundred percent. Something I think I've loved watching Cassie kind of do in her life, honestly, because when I met Cassie, I was 23 and you were 18, right? Yeah. And so granted at 18, I was a different person than I was at 23. And I had had five years of schooling behind me and being in college and and having professional jobs outside of high school. And Cassie was 18. And when I met Cassie, I would have considered her a quiet person. And I think still like she is she can be a quiet person, but I also know she can be a very loud person and she can be very funny and she can do very amazing, random, hilarious things. But what I saw her do was, you know, I knew her personally and knew she was funny and we had the loudest, funnest, you know, times of our lives together. But I saw her in her professional life make a point to say, I don't naturally speak up and and kind of feel confident in that realm. And I watched her over the years, especially her younger years, make herself learn to do that and feel good about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that's something that's always been really hard for me is, uh, you know, just having not, I'm not going to say having something to say, but I I, I've, I remember like in high school. If I had to do a presentation, like, I would get, like, short on breath. It was terrifying for me. Like, I, I, I remember, like, doing the thing where, like, you can't speak because you, like, lose your voice. Yeah. Like, that, I I was terrified of public speaking. And um, I really kind of, you know, taught myself, like, if I want to do what I have to do, I have to be able to. I don't have to be great at this, but I need to be able to have a certain level of ability to be mm-hmm. able to, you know, speak up and... Talk in a meeting, and you know, I still have problems with it. I went to a dinner earlier this week with a bunch of, like, you know, I was the youngest person at the dinner with a bunch of music industry people that I respect. And it was hard for me because everyone is older than me, so I don't necessarily have a lot in common. And mm-hmm. I really respect them, so that makes me nervous. And I almost didn't go because I'm like, I'm not going to have a lot in common. I'm not. I'm gonna feel uncomfortable, and then I was like, you know, like I were always fighting to like have a seat at the table, and I literally yeah. was given one. And yeah. if I don't go and try, then what's the point of fighting for like, uh, you know, young people and and women having a seat at the, the yeah, table? Yeah, and for
1: for like a week, you were like, I'm, I just, I'm not gonna go, and I kept saying, well, I think you should go. And I was so happy the day that she said, I'm going to go tonight." I was like, "Good, I think you should. I think you should go." And exactly what you just said, like you you have the seat at the table. You're able to stand up for the things
0: you believe in, and you have plenty to say. and and it's um, and it's it's not even like that and that the person being at the table that is who I am, it's my fear is uh-huh. preventing me from being who I am. And uh-huh. I think that sometimes people confuse their fear talking with being who they are.
1: Uh-huh. And I
0: think learning the difference between, like, Who you want to be and what you're scared of is a very important skill. And I bet
2: those men at that table left learning more from you than you left learning from them.
0: I mean, I think I learned a lot from them, but I hope that I, you know, that we learned, you know, from from each other. I think I have a different perspective, and I I felt inspired leaving that dinner because I felt like I learned something from like that generation of like people that Mm -hmm. like we don't see a lot in our generation about like just. Talking to people in real life and knowing things about their life and personally, and we just—I just don't see that a lot in my my age group. And uh, yeah. I kind of almost felt like a responsibility to like try to bring that to people my age, in a sense. And now look at
1: you—you're having your own podcast.
2: Oh yes, <laughs> her own podcast.
1: Pod yes, podcast. I think we need to make a T-shirt. hashtag so. Podcast.
0: Can it be like a like a pea with my face? A on pea it? Like, like a vegetable? Yeah, like a pea pod. No,
2: no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> with
0: my face. Okay. See, I was gonna say
2: something like so, like you know that I respect you and that I love you guys and all that stuff, but I can't do that after you're talking about a pea pod. I mean, a pea pod.
1: <laughs> and that is Cassie. <laughs> like that's Cassie. <laughs> I love it when, like, we're in, like, a really serious meeting and then, like, or, like, a call. I'd say a call is very common. And then we hang up the phone and she just says something like that about a peepod. I don't
0: know. i just very Cassie. No,
2: I, I think that, that it, it needs to be said. And, and um, it's been a while since I've even had a, a chance to see you guys. And together at that, um you know, you guys, you you girls, you ladies, have done powerful things in an industry, and you have built something from where you have a car repossessed to what you have now, which is just a conglomerate, a a massive, massive, respected, you know, dialed in company. And you are working for, your idols and not necessarily even working for them you're working with them. Yes. And when yeah. I say working for, I don't mean in, in the negative sense of like, oh I have to do that for them. You're working for them still as you did when you were teenagers yeah. creating Zanga accounts to spread the word about a single for your favorite bands. Yes. And you guys have not allowed yourself to lose sight of that one core things that make you exactly who you are. And that is being a fan. You can be a fan and you can be a professional. You can be a professional and still be a fan.
1: Amen. Yes. Amen. Fan is not a dirty word. Not at all. You know, and it's so, and it's so weird how many people, especially when we were really starting out in this industry would tell us that it was, you know, I think that honestly, I think we've done a lot to bring respect to fans. And I think that's something I'm most proud of.
2: I mean, look at who you have working for. You have a great staff. Let's not forget them. You ladies are who you are today still because you can't have your finger on every project yeah. and know the ins no. and outs of the no. everyday life. And you are you hire people who could do your job. That you know? is
1: the key. I only that hire people yeah.
2: that will, if for some reason I ever lose my job, I want to make sure that like the show still is successful and doesn't suffer. And if there's a day where I have to be in the hospital or something like that for two weeks, God forbid anything happen, I want to make sure that the staff that I have can do my job or do it better.
1: And honestly, that's something that I was actually told in my first week of work at Warner Brothers by my boss, Peter Strickland at the time. Yes, I remember him saying that. And it stuck with me. And I think of that statement often. And I'm always looking for people that are better than me. If I find somebody that I feel like could do my job better than me. I try to hire them,
0: but 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 it's really hard. I think for a lot of people to mentally get to that point. Yeah, it takes a very big level of self confidence and your value in a project, mm-hmm. and like just maturity and and security in yourself to to feel that way. I think a lot of people oftentimes, like, don't want to hire people as good at them because they they don't want to feel like that they're not valuable anymore. But I think that... No, true. And
1: I think it goes into, as we talk a lot about, into even giving credit
0: to people that are working with you. And and giving credit is a a very big sign of, like, leadership and and maturity. And a lot of of people never get there in their entire career. Right.
2: I mean, if one of my staff does something amazing, they're going to get the credit in a report back to my bosses. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's it. I mean, I'm constantly
1: with, even people like the Backstreet Boys, who are like my favorite band ever, and they'll say, oh my gosh, I love this thing you did. And I'll say, well, no, this person did it. I say that all the time. And like, the thing is, there was a time where I thought if I said that, I would look less valuable. But I realized more recently, if I say that, I look valuable for hiring somebody that can do something great. Right. And it takes takes a lot of confidence to be able to understand that and see it in that way. And
2: then the word of managing those people the word that i always you know and still suffer with sometimes i'm sure we all do at this table is delegation Mm -hmm. delegating something to someone and giving them your full trust in it right Mm -hmm. to where you've been so used to doing it all the time to hand something over it's a vulnerable situation i think that's probably the
1: hardest thing that i ever had to learn was how to delegate, and Cassie as well. Like It's, okay, well, I know I can do it, fine, so I'm not going to teach you to do it. Yeah, or I I know it's going to take you an
2: hour and it'll take me 20 minutes, so I'll just do it because it'll be done faster.
1: Yeah, and it took me a very, very long time to understand that if I put the effort into training the people around me to do work as good as I believe I can do it, eventually it's going to save me a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) And I need that time because I'm sleepy a lot. (laughs) I am
2: asleep. I'm sleeping now. Are you too. guys ever exhausted?
1: Oh my gosh. This whole yes. week, I feel like I've been exhausted. I think I've woken up every day at like 9. I wish
2: it were 9 a.m. I mean, for me but to I'm just saying, up. like, I
1: usually wake up at like 6 or 7. And I feel like all this week, I woke up at like 9 oh, every day. Oh, I
2: thought you were complaining that you had to wake up at no, 9. No, no,
1: no, no, no. I just feel <laughs> like I. this whole week, I've been so exhausted. I've just been sleeping like later and later every day. It's so hot
0: day. outside. It
1: is. It's very hot in LA right now.
0: Yeah. But I think, you know, this is actually something that we wanted to talk about was, you know, how sometimes it's just nonstop in our our worlds. And some days are hard and you get burnt out and it's, uh, you know, working in entertainment is not easy. (laughs) Um, Oh, it's definitely not easy
2: yeah for it's sure. not, i think you and i recently within the past couple months uh i was driving on the 405 and i was stuck in traffic and i was heading to a person's house to do some social activations with them and i called you i was like i am just exhausted like i just yeah. feel like today is one of those days i want to pack up cassie and uh I get just, a farm <laughs> and yeah i want to get a farm back in kentucky and yeah. i just want to go there and i want to become a realtor, or just play with my pigs and ride a four-wheeler. I don't know. I
1: mean, I would come play with your pigs.
2: <laughs> I really don't want pigs. <laughs> do. It was the first redneck thing that came into my head.
1: <laughs> I mean, I get it. You know, there are definitely days like that. And I think I think to me, like, the worst is I tour a lot with bands on buses you know and when you get that exhaustion during that it's Mm -hmm. even harder because you can't get away from everyone and it's like okay i'm gonna go in my little curtained bunk and try to get away from everyone but i've had so many times on the road and i travel all Mm -hmm. the time you travel all the time kathy as well um but you're just like i'm just gonna a lot of times i'll get to a point where i say i'm supposed to fly home tomorrow but i'm gonna stay an extra day in this hotel because i need to do nothing
2: Girl, there is nothing better than being a Delta Diamond and being able to mm. change that flight whenever you want for free. That's
1: why I fly Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that if you had an alter ego, it would be Delta Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's my drag queen name. Yes. <laughs> Truly. 100%. That <laughs> oh needs, to, my God. This needs to happen. I feel
2: the Tanya Tucker version coming on. Right now. <laughs> Delta Diamond. <laughs>
1: Yes, honey. I just laughed so hard at that I met my stand goal and I didn't even stand up. <laughs> uh, already had all your right, hands Delta. in the air. <laughs> So let's talk about how when we feel that way, how do we get out of it? How do we keep doing this? Because
0: I'm sure we've all felt that way many, many times in the past decade or more. Yeah. How are we still doing this? Um, <laughs> I wonder that sometimes. But I think that... um. I don't know, for me, just like talking to people about it and just knowing that other people deal with the same thing or, you know, feel the same way sometimes and that it, and and talking to them and then knowing that it goes away, I think it is um, something that has, you know, helped me uh, deal with this over the years. And then I also sometimes just think like, what else am I going to do? Yeah, right. like like what what else do I what, what else yeah what right. else is gonna
1: have and I think what about, else is gonna have the rewarding moments that this does have
0: because I think about oh like you know I can go to you know I want to move to Hawaii and and, and do what you, well you told me the other day you were gonna move to Hawaii and start an Airbnb yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I was
1: then you waiting
2: over it. I was waiting on like an Airbnb for turtles or for
1: something. turtles yes Cassie loves the turtles yes. I do love
0: turtles no. I'm to get I want, I want the little turtle life. Like life jackets. One thing. Okay,
1: there's this turtle life jacket thing. It's like a shell. Yeah. You yeah. put on your a back pack. you can float. Yeah. She like DM'd them and was like, can you make this in an adult size? And they're gonna make it for her.
2: Girl. See, but that's how she survives. <laughs> I know. Exhaustion she, she finds things <laughs> she like finds to things. do. You know, for she me, does. you know, for me, I, I'm like Kathy, or Kathy. Oh, your name is Kathy. Or else Kathy. I have a big lift. I don't know.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I respond to Casey and Kathy, just by the way. Yeah, I respond was, to fine. Jane.
2: Um, no, I am like Cassie in the sense where I pick up the phone and I call someone, as you should whenever you're feeling down about anything, is to call someone and talk about it, especially someone who like has been there before. Yeah. And that's why most of the time it's Cassie or someone else that I know in the industry. And, you know, talking to them makes me realize that, A, I'm not out digging ditches. You know, I'm not paving the roads. Uh, Yeah. I'm doing something that fulfills me. And sure, I could pack up everything next week and move back to Kentucky and and live in a, you know, a modest house on a farm. But you know what I'm going to do when I get there? After two weeks, I'm going to get bored. And Mm -hmm. then I'm going to start sketching out ideas of things to do in the industry that I want to be in. Yeah. You know? It's and true. I know that this is where I belong. I belong to yeah. entertainment in some capacity. It's the only thing I've ever known. It's the only thing that, at the end of the day, no matter how bad it is, it's the only thing I'll ever know. Yeah. You really? know? And I have someone by my side right now that, you know, will snatch that phone out of my hand and not allow me on email or social media for the rest of the night. Those kind of people are very important to have that. in your life. You I know? Need some of that. So if you can find someone that does that and you don't get <laughs> mad
0: at them. <laughs> if you can train like a like a dog. Snatch your phone. I'm gonna go get
1: me a dog at barking bitches and be like, take my phone.
2: She's the only one that has a, a pop screen. hmm Do you pop a lot?
1: I just think they only had two
2: <laughs> budgets.
1: Yeah, budgets. We don't have any sponsors yet. <laughs> I wonder why. And you're but not you gonna have
2: one after this. Also,
1: Cassie made goat noises on an episode. It just always was really
2: go. <laughs> that's a goat.
0: Yeah, that sounds. No, like...
2: seriously, that's a goat.
0: That sounds like a real goat. Yeah, I think it's a good goat. Really,
1: you want to go to goat yoga this weekend? I always
2: go back to like the the. Taylor Swift song or whatever that
1: Yes <laughs> but That's like I don't know that's not what I think We of... need to put your goat into a that was like a
0: crazy goat though. That's not a real goat. That's not like a normal That's like a goat giving birth. Like I've I've hung out with a lot of goats and they don't usually sound like that. Where am I? <laughs> You're at Podcast Center LA. Goat.
2: Goat.
0: Okay, we're gonna wrap this You've up. You got a
2: goat out of here.
0: I can't. Um, Thank you, Adam, so much for joining us Uh, this week. Stop.
2: I need to say it with more energy and passion.
0: Just look at him and thank you. I'll I'll remember to smile, too. (laughs) (laughs) Smile, darling. People like to see that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Adam, so much for joining us this week. I'm so glad we got into some different topics and you didn't embarrass me too bad.
1: I think we need to re-edit that because I think you did. <laughs> Cassie's trying to think Adam, him, but we're all about to pee our pants because we're laughing so hard. So that's what's going on. And we're going to end this thing next week. We will actually have three guests, Carrie Seavey, Maida Heron and Kristen Stanford, better known as the Why Don't We Moms of Daniel, Zach, and Jack. I cannot wait to chat with these ladies about being moms behind the scenes and hear all about the journey they've been on for the past two years with their boys in Why Don't We? It's gonna be super inspiring and also super, super funny.
2: Yes, it is. I love why don't we? And I love you guys. And thank you so much for having me. Oh,
1: thank you. We really appreciate you driving out to Mexico to do our show. <laughs> yeah, yes. Cassie told me I was going to Manhattan Beach, well, and I had to like go get thirty border, minutes past pretty pretty it. Much, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So it's fine. So, she's she's really not good at directions.
1: Corner, so. I'm actually really good at maps. You're also really good at like. Lying to people to get what you want. She's also
2: really good at yelling at basketball players from courtside seats. I've heard about that. Specifically, Blake Griffin
0: back in the she day. Loves when he played some the Blake Clippers. Griffin. Yeah. I hate that he's not on the Clippers now.
1: Yeah, you were like a really big Clippers fan for like a year and then you never before or after have spoken of basketball again. Yeah, because he left. <laughs> Can you
2: practice screaming LeBron for me since he's now an LA alien? That's just too cliche.
1: LeBron! LeBron!
0: Like a goat. No, it's just- LeBron! I- Oh my god! I'm so
2: sorry, sound engineer.
0: <laughs> it's just, I'm just, i It's it's too normal to scream at LeBron. Too basic. Too basic, bitch. Yeah, and not even basic. I just, it's just not me. Okay. It's just not me. Okay, Cassie, wrap it up. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in again, or if it's the first time checking us out. Thank you for listening for the first time. We really hope you enjoyed it. We'd also love if you can subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes and leave a nice comment on any of the platforms we're on, whether it's Anchor, or Spotify, or Stitcher, or anything else that you love to listen to podcasts on.
1: Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Backstage and Twitter at IGotBackstage. You can follow our personal accounts at Cassie Petrie and Folia Jade. And Adam, where can they find you?
2: Intern Adam all over social. Instagram, Facebook,
1: Twitter. That's do it. great. Do it. Will you follow back?
2: I'm really bad at my personal social media, which is a,
1: a completely <laughs> okay, different can, topic. Give them the give them the ones you work on. I think that's interesting to watch considering talking about what you do. Yeah, at AGT. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
2: Later.